you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. Had enough of those supplements that leave you feeling nothing? Symbiotica is your solution to great-tasting all-natural supplements that actually work. Crafted with premium plant-based ingredients, their products have no seed oils, fillers, or artificial nonsense. It's just pure goodness in every pouch. Try them out and actually feel the difference today. Visit Symbiotica.com and use code IHEART for 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Again, that's 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Go to Symbiotica.com. That's C-Y-M-B-I-O-T-I-K-A dot the dave damashek football program available on apple podcasts and at nfl.com slash ddfp now here's your host dave damashek hi and hello football fans it's your old pal dave dave damashek what's going down i hope all's well wherever you are i report to you from my uh from my second son's bedroom right now because i am sequestered like uh, like the rest of like the rest of america like the rest of society is welcome to the dave damashek football program joined as usual these days by uh by our iron quartet here starting off with uh, the voice of the los angeles chargers awaiting to find out who will be their starting quarterback i don't know what else he's doing with himself really i guess that's his uh, his chief focus right now it's matt money smith what's the poop fella well uh i can't help but think that we're like the 1970s red sox right it's four guys four houses you know it's just kind of the way we got to do this we uh, and I, I i'm gonna be honest I kind of like having my distance away from you guys. It's nice just to see you. Nice. <laughs> it has been a good opportunity to look into how other people live. It's a, like yes. we talked about a couple of weeks ago there. Then also uh, our representative of the Miami Dolphins all the way from London, England. Here he is, everybody. It's Handsome Hank. What's happening with you, Handsome? Hi, Dave. I'm good. Thank you. Look at um, you. Still still I'm supporting still the, the brand. Play. Yeah, you know what? I, got, I found this. Um, let me show you this. I got this in 1995. It's a dolphin's uh, it was, it was pullover my sweatshirt. Parents. It's a pullover. No, it's a it's a hoodie as well. Um, oh, it's, it's aqua. It's it's that, authentic. That's I like, like a it. felt patch, right? That's not an iron. Pat- that looks. It's no, no, no. It's a, yeah. It's definitely. It's a. It's it's yeah. attached. It's well attached. That's nice. Not iron. And then the, nice. the dolphin's. Yeah, the old the old font, the old script. Oh, look at that! That's remember, a beauty. Mem- remember. Remember a few years ago when the biggest uniform-related problem we had was that uh, that they took the helmet off of the Miami Dolphin, you know? Right. Well, yeah. Didn't care about safety. Oh, this one's this one staying sim- safe. Simpler days. Simpler days. We'll have, I have uh, a, some uniform uh, have, talk coming up for you. Go ahead there, Money. Yes. You know, I know we're going to have actual scheduled uniform talk, but uh, wow. would love to know. I mean, you grew up in Pittsburgh, uh, Dave, Eddie there in New York, me, Chicago, Hank, of 
course, the uh, the UK, and, and you have your dedicated teams in your neighborhood. I mean, Chicago, Bears, Cubs, Bulls, Blackhawks, New York, obviously, and Pittsburgh. What was the first? Do you remember the first non-local team that you sported because you just liked the way it looked? Hmm. Oh, that's a great question. Let's ponder that. I need a, a moment to gather myself. And uh, that also allows me very quickly to say hello to the fourth member of this uh, of this podcast. It's Eddie Spaghetti. Or is that John Starks with the, with the orange headband on? He's got literally the Knickerbockers mid-90s Nick uh, 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 road jersey on and an orange headband to boot yeah. looking good, Spaghetti. The the hair is growing way too long, so I have the uh, the little bandana on matching the Starks jersey. I just been rotating between Ewing and Starks uh, this week when I'm sitting at home. It's my my work attire is uh, gym shorts and basketball jerseys. And to answer Money's question, it was another basketball jersey. It was the Chicago Bulls. Michael Jordan was uh, my nice. first non Knicks. I was a growing up. Gee. I was a humongous basketball fan first because I played, uh, and I was a Knicks fan. But I mean Jordan. I think everyone growing up in like. I guess around ninety six, seven, eight ish was you know the Bulls are the best. So I got a, I think I had a white and a red uh, Jordan jersey. And that's funny. So you hand it to me, and it's like a uh, self uh, congratulatory session because I'm gonna reach up here. No, hold on, here to Dave and say uh, my first ever. I loved the Pirates flat tops, and uh, I bought one of those flat pirate caps with the stripes on the side because I loved those late 70s Pittsburgh teams and Ken Picolby with all the stars. And you just posted a photo of them on your uh, on your Twitter feed there, Dave. That is I think I was probably in like maybe second grade when I got that. And it was way too big for me because I got a tiny head. But uh, I do recall that being like my first non Chicago based sporting gear. How funny is that? Because I money. And by the way, you know what people don't know about those flat top pirates hats, the pillbox hats or whatever you want to call them. They're they're made famous by pop Stargell, the first baseman in the hall of famer, the uh, 1979 world series MVP. You know, it's a weird little footnote about number eight there, pop Stargell. He was only co MVP in 1979. Quick bit of trivia. Can anybody name who he shared that 79 NL MVP with handsome Hank, Eddie spaghetti. You have Ooh, zero uh, chance. You have zero chance of getting it. So, 79 NL. Someone yeah. on the red, someone on the red. I will. Uh, yeah. I would, I would say uh, Joe Morgan. Yeah. It's a great I, guess. No, he did wear a red cap. I will say he wore that. a red cap. All right. So Pete Rose cards. Cardinals is correct. Cardinals. So that would be, uh, he went on to win a world series, but not right. with the Cardinals. Well, like, wait, oh, wait, he would have, he would have won a World Series. Wait, would he have? Was he? Uh, who was good no. then? Gibson. He played the same position. So uh, played, played the same, same position. So first baseman for the Card. Who am I not thinking of? Uh, gosh, I see now. I'm thinking it's Cardinals World Series, and Hal Morris is in my brain. Made famous um, by uh, it, made famous it by Steinfeld. It was Keith Hernandez. Keith Hernandez. Oh, you, yeah. just, you just looked that up. Oh, there you go. Good for you. Well done. <laughs> There you Keith, go. By the way, Keith. By the <laughs> way, um, weird name for a baby of the day. I've just, uh, I've just anointed that. Also, yeah. also, not that savory for a grown-up either. When you think about it, Keith. No. See, the, the thing, though, Dave, is your your uh, weird name for a baby is it's just it's not fair. It's a different time, you know. Keith, Keith had its moment. <laughs> you know, Keith, Keith had its moment in the uh, the late sixties, early seventies there when it was basically like today's, uh, I don't know, Riley. 
you know, that's kind of what Keith was, you know, back there in the end, the late season. You know, we, you and I probably, I think the, not Eddie, but I think the three of us probably know some Keiths out there. And uh, I would say Eddie probably knows none. Well, music, uh, music would be rock and roll. Would right. Be so you got Keith Richards. If you, if you start doing that um, and the kinks too, right? Well, you had Ray Davies and you had Dave Davies. Uh, so no Keith with the uh, brothers there. But I have, by the way, been listening to a fair amount of kinks. I know Matt Money Smith is a connoisseur of the kinks. And they're sort of the forgotten them. British band with with the Beatles and Rolling Stones. And you, I, I maybe it's a little bit of a hipster take. But are you partial to the kinks over the Beatles or the... No the stones ultimately no i'm not i i have you know i don't feel the need to to be super cool the kinks are great love the kinks highly recommend people investigate the kinks but the beatles are the freaking beatles and the stones or the stones zeppelin you know i mean i i appreciate all of those those great look longevity is one of the toughest things as uh as anyone that listens to pearl jam can attest you hear 10 and then you hear the rest of that crap they put out and it's like wow they couldn't do it and uh and bands like you know zeppelin and i'm, <laughs> and all, for, I'm all for a band changing its sound and, mm. and and progressing and everything else but it is a pretty they are pretty far afield i mean they've been making music for 30 years not to turn this into another pearl jam conversation but the the tracks that you've posted did spaghetti and other people are putting up there it's like with this is pearl jam i don't know and i'm fine with it if it sounds great i just don't necessarily love it are you hip with this you you like this new sound they got going oh yeah yeah i love yeah, it uh, what, i mean but they've been, every day man every day they've, <laughs> they've been having a new sound they've been updating their sound constantly i mean their th their fourth album was a different sound that's why people hated no code at the time in 96 it's, it's uh, i guess new. that's why i probably that's why i tuned out around 94 but anyhow um the um the pillbox hats were worn or they first made the scene in major league baseball in um I believe in 1976 to to honor the nation's bicentennial. And then the Buccos held on to them. Like I think the Rangers wore them for a little bit longer than some other teams did, but I'm pretty sure that every team sported them for at least really? a game or something like that. Oh, yeah, I, think, I did not know that. I think that's true. I guess uh, somebody can go online and uh, easily. Uh, the photos of Kent Ticaldi with that freaking submariner, the tinted prescription glasses. It is just, you want a guy that was a stud in the 1970s and you're like, really? That guy was a star? It's like, yeah, check out old Kent Ticaldi. We've talked about the difference that if you fell into a coma at the start of the 21st century and you just woke up now, what would be the differences between sports Um uh, you know, 20 years later. And I'll tell you that they had on major league uh, on MLB network the other day, like you say money, they had the 1979 world series on. I went to one of those games. And what I remember about that was game four um, of that game. It was the last one that the Buccos lost and they won the, the, the last three to claim the series um, from the O's. But we were sitting behind first base line in, in three river stadium. I mean, I'm sorry, behind uh, home plate way up high in old three river stadium, very high up looking down and um, pop star Joe filed one straight back. The ball, the ball flew up. It was coming down right at me. And if nobody touched it, it would have hit me squarely on top of the head. It would have been a perfect uh, shot to my skull. And the old man went up to get it. And some drunk guy reached up over him and wrestled it away from him. It was the first time I, I saw my father as mortal, you know, was <laughs> I mean, we could have had a world series ball. 
But anyway, the Bucks lost From that. Pop Sargent, no less. But the thing that stands out is, I mean, it's striking. Obviously, we know this. We've watched uh, Barry Bonds and others sort of um, artificially inflate themselves. But it's pretty striking when you see, I mean, they're basically, they look like you, Matt Money Smith, which is to say very slight, like just, uh, wow. Yeah. Well, they're not really big guys. You're a professional athlete? You don't look like one. Or they look like Eddie Spaghetti, which is to say like Pop Stargell, which is to say <laughs> obese. <laughs> hey, he's a Hall of Famer. I'll take it. Plus, no sports goggles. I think that uh, Kareem was the first um, high-profile sports guy. Then Eric Dickerson started to wear his, right. and James Worthy, Worthy, Horace Grant. Uh, well, actually, Kurt Rambis, remember, had the croakies. So he just went, "Hey, I'm wearing my freaking prescription glasses, but I'm going to put this super cool piece of fabric on the back of them." <laughs> yeah, we would actually have tape in the middle of them. It was awesome. Greasy uh, had those as well. Yes. Yeah, right. Greasy wore basically bifocals out there. Just yeah, wore glasses. Yeah, he looks. I, I think he's the most ridiculous. But in his defense, that was the order of the day. Tim Foley at shortstop for the Pirates also had ridiculous ones, and he had a very cheesy mustache to boot. So pedestrian bodies, dad mustaches, and dad bods ruled Major League Baseball back in Remember the day. Chris and it's really striking. That guy had a hell of a pair of stacks <laughs> over there on the hot corner. <laughs> what was your cap, by the way, or what was your uh, what was your piece of gear? I'm sorry. Say? Yes, I got off. Uh, I got off track there. Um, that never it was well in Chicago. So two Chicago stories for you. First of all, what we could t- to round out the um, the shades conversation on July fourth, nineteen ninety four. I was out in the bleachers, the right field side in Wrigley Field. And uh, celebrating our nation's birthday, and um, and my friends and I uh, were drinking the old styles as usual and otherwise out there in the stands having a having a gay time. And uh, yeah, there you are, the old style hat go. on Matt Money Smith. It's all coming together today. Serendipity right, abounds it, uh, in a low grade way, but still, it's there. <laughs> right. um, and uh, so, out in left field, uh, out in right field that day was Colorado Rockies um, outfielder. Dante Bichette and um, we had for some reason we had with us a giant American flag well it's because uh, it was the nation's birthday after all I I say I don't know why we had it because I wouldn't necessarily hold us up as the greatest patriots in American history but anyhow um, which isn't to say that we're traitors to the country either anyhow that's that's neither here nor there but I I remember we sang uh, to we sang a series of uh, American songs to Dante Bichette including uh, you're a Yankee doodle dandy and we modified the lyrics and he would turn around and he would, and he would uh, strum his finger like a conductor orchestra as we were. And then when the pitch, when the game resumed, he literally would get down into the outfielders crouch, you know, that, uh, you know, you you always see with the hands on the knees and all that, but he put his uh, non-gloved hand behind his back and continued to orchestrate while the pitches were coming in. And then we threw down onto the field some, hey, Dante, trade glasses with us because he had the croakies thing, the, the, the thing that held them on, like, you know, you know what those look like, the outfielders to right. make sure that the glasses don't fall off. We said, hey, let's trade glasses. And so one of my friends had uh, some cheesy neon green glasses um, 
you know, I don't know why, because he was drunk or whatever and thought it was funny to wear them. And he threw them down onto the field. And in the game, Dante Bichette picks them up <laughs> and puts them on and starts walking around like he's blind or drunk. Like starts like in the outfield, walking around, stammering around like half a Frankenstein out in the outfield, jagging around out there. Like, hey, man, you're getting paid probably like $600,000 for this game, pal. You should really pay attention a little bit. But it was just magical. Right. Engage um, the fans. They'll have a story forever. Out there, I mean, that was the home of, of yeah. those little moments. Um, the uh, But anyway, what we can maybe get back to those in a little bit. I do. Well, I will say Pittsburgh Pirates, Andy fans slike once um, at the end of the half inning. Um, was good. The fans kept saying, as they always do to the visiting, throw the ball into the stands. And he required that everybody get up and uh, give him a standing ovation. And then once they did, then he gave them the ball. Charming, charming stuff for Vance. Like, but to answer your question, uh, finally money, it was in fact, this Pittsburgh guy loved the Chicago Blackhawks sweater and specifically the red Blackhawks sweater. And I always loved the mass of eighties goalie, uh, Murray Bannerman, a weird oh, name. I love Murray. Yeah. A very weird name for a, um, I think my microphone's been out this whole time, but anyway, no, it's fine. Um, sounds good. The um, the the Murray Bannerman had that weird Kabuki mask. Remember yes. that thing? It was oh, very yeah, creepy. Absolutely. It would have been haunting to try and score if you're a sharpshooter coming down on a breakaway, and all of a sudden you look up at who's trying to stop you. I I would have I would have just the, the puck would have flown off my stick, and as I as I peed down my uh, my <laughs> skated leg. Um, the um, anyhow. I had a red, red sweater, I should say. Red sweater, Murray Bannerman. Nice. Handsome Hank, how say you? Um, I had, I loved, um, obviously I didn't, there wasn't a hometown team, but I was a Dolphins fan, but I loved the um, Detroit Lions get up. So I, I um, at one stage um, bought some some Lions gear, t-shirts. I don't think it went as far as a jersey, but I, I liked I like the Lions generally. And then obviously cricket is my second love. And as you know, everyone wears white. So you could very easily switch teams and allegiances. You would be wearing exactly the same outfit, um, regardless of of, uh, of who you were supporting. Now, help me with this, Hank, because I shared, I, I think, about a month ago or maybe it's a little bit longer uh, that I've been watching the test. You were, yeah. And they're talking about, you know, you wear your your green baggy hat or whatever it is. That's their symbol. But yeah. they, they said, you know, how important that is. So what are they doing when they're not playing for the national team? Is there a an international professional league? Is there a professional league specifically? Like, how does professional cricket work? Well, cricket, because if you're in the national team, it's played year round because it's summer somewhere that cricket is being played. So, so that's teams, your job. You're not on, yeah, you're so not you, on like, a, okay. You, you play, you'll play for a local club team a little bit, but more and more now because, because it is year round, um, you will, you know, if you're, if during the winter in the Northern Hemisphere, you would go and play, you would tour the Southern Hemisphere and, and play international cricket um, there. Typically, at the start or end of a cricket season, your local cricket season, the local players might wind up playing, you know, two or three games for the teams they initially originally kind of came through. So then, what did you wear? Like, what jerseys? What, what were you wearing? You would wear white still, but you would wear so you're just wearing your, the your club. Team. Your no, then your club would have it's a different cap. But that, I mean, no one, no fan would wear that. That's just the players themselves that would wear it. And the caps for people that have never seen them basically look like the, the cap that Ty Cobb wore. Yeah, uh, exactly. Or Rogers and, you, and, wore. Like that's, that's what they're, and, and, and they're wearing and, them out there. Or Greg exactly. Lamont, then, really. It looks much more like what uh, what more suitable for a uh, 
Tour de France guy, yeah, right? Exactly. Like it's, I mean, they're the same hats, I guess, that they wore a hundred years ago. It's exactly. kind of the, the sense I get. And, and yeah. then to Mark, you know, to it literally to the extent that when you first play for your national team, it's called you get your cap. Right. Um, and so then you, your appearances for your national team are counted by how many caps you have. So you, you if you've played a hundred times for Australia, you have a hundred caps. Um, gotcha. but oh, you'd only you. ever you'd only ever wear the same one you know they, they there's obviously tradition of like you would wear that first them. one so it's super sweaty stinky cap that you'd and have that carries and like, okay. where you hear about yeah guys exactly for the yeah, national yeah. team yeah, and same that's thing. Where, look at that how about that's that little awesome. fun fact it came just trying to educate it. money that's what you know again this is why i came to america was to educate you heathen look at that on, when on you see the like Eric Winalda has uh, 115 caps for the caps. national team. Yeah. That is a cricket term. How about that? There you go. Well, I guess is it's it, a sports term. And maybe, you know, everybody's trying to dig in. Obviously, everybody's showing old games and uh, they're born anew. Um, but it's hard to kind of suspend, um, you know, that you know the end of the book. But with cricket, maybe we should all just embrace cricket and watch those games. We, we have no information. No idea. No, you could just How watch you- the. Yeah, yeah. That's I mean it's a good idea. How did you so, get on with the rest of that series, Money? Did you enjoy the the story that was being told? If you if So here's what I think. Like when I watched when I first started watching that F1 series on Netflix, I then went to watch F1 races um and realized that they're really not very exciting. That no. based on where you are slotted is probably where you're gonna finish unless you really screw it up or and I think it's why a lot of people like this young racer, Max Verstappen, because he's freaking crazy. And he's like the only guy that makes a ton of moves. Basically, Lewis Hamilton wins the pole and he wins the F1 race is kind of how that thing goes. So I think for cricket, I'm like, OK, if I try to apply this to actually watching the sport and in the Amazon Prime show, they're on like, all right, here's day one. And, oh, this guy was batting for nine hours. And uh, here's day four. I'm like, yeah, I don't think I'm going to be watching much. <laughs> Maybe just the highlights. I'm just going to take this package program and probably limit it to that. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Maybe, you know what? We have nothing but time on our hands. And I, I, I hate to be the vapid cynic who, you know, it's like when you walk up to the craps table and you're like, I, it's too much. I don't understand what's happening here. And But it, it only takes uh, like – 20 minutes to figure things out. Why don't you give us like a four hour tutorial on what, on the ins and outs of cricket, and then we'll all be better as a, as a nation going forward. But you know what? Okay. We'll skip Everyone that. go to the bathroom. We'll start in, in five minutes. Right. Um, all right. Let's go around the wheel here and uh, we'll start with you now, handsome, your um, thumbnail reaction to, first of all, two, two NFC South teams have new uniforms. Let's mm-hmm. start with the more recent unveiling, the Atlanta Falcons. Well, first of all, so that that, that um, unveiling was scheduled for April 14th, so a week yesterday, but the, the uniforms leaked on social media, so they had to bring forward that, um, that announcement, and it was uh, rushed out today. Um, I... Look, they, they, they unveiled four uniforms and I guess they can be kind of um, put together in any in any um, kind of configuration, if you see what I mean. Uh, obviously, like the throwback, the, the all black um, one, I think that, that that's a classic one, although much better, with the, much me, better with the red helmet. Like yes, that's, they keep that's saying that's needed. a throwback. Right. They keep saying that's a throw. It's not a throwback. It's, it's like not a it's, throwback. It's, it's, well, it's a most... throwback to something, but it's not the – you didn't throw it the whole way, but you could have thrown it further back. Yeah, it's, it's a, a throwback, throwback to, to Jerry Glanville. It's a throwback to Jerry Glanville who screwed up a really great uniform because he thought it would be cool for them to wear black. 
Well, Dion's so, got to wear that too because he's the one who's associated with it. Yes, I don't yeah, understand yeah. the fondness for that look. It basically is the Raiders or the Houston Gamblers. Um, it's the Oakland Raiders with some red trim mixed in. Right. I, 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 I think people make too much, but it's the best of a sorry lot. It's the best, so that's it's why people the best like of the it. lot, right? Exactly. Um, I think that the white ones uh, kind of, you know, they, they could grow on me when you see them against another team. I think they, you know, that's a, that could be a decent look. Um, I don't like the p- red piping on the black ones. And I especially don't like the, the, the gradient. Is that what you call it? Like gradient yeah, red into black, but just, we don't need that. Um, there's no, no requirement Anywhere. for that in sports. Um, it, it looks like it was designed by someone who, who had run out of ideas. It's reminiscent yeah. of arguably the worst, at least in the conversation, for the worst basketball uniform ever. And the Dikembe Mutombo era Atlanta Hawks, where they mm-hmm. went from red to navy with that hawk in the middle and its uh, elongated wings. They, they really are arguably, they are in that conversation as worst basketball uniform ever. But it's the exact same color combo. And I'm, I'm very curious as to why they thought it was wise to, to bring that when they saw what a colossal failure it was for their basketball team right there in the same time. Right. And I, yeah, and I don't think we've had, had an idea of what they're going to be wearing when they've just sort of unveiled all of this, but I don't get a sense of like, what's number one, what's number two, right. this one we're not, we're going to use only on like every Thursday night football game every other year or something that will be fine. Then we can forget about it there, but they, they need to make some good decisions on that front. It's also, it feels to me a little bit like just because you can do something doesn't mean you have to do it. And, yeah. uh, and that like, yeah, the gradient one, that red one and, you know, the weird stripe that extends the Broncos are the ones responsible for bringing this into our lives is the stripe that extends up past the pants and onto the jersey yeah, from the armpit, yeah. down. armpit to the ankle. Yeah. Don't like it. It's it, yeah, it's it. That was a, a bad invention. But things like that gradient one, it's it's kind of like you mentioned Led Zeppelin money, John Bonham one of the all-time great drummers, but I also don't need the self-indulgent uh, drum solo for, for 10 minutes. You know, it's like, yeah, all right, great. All right, are you, Hey, uniform designer. I know that you like, Oh, it's so boring to just make a, a red Jersey with the two stripes around the, uh, around the arms. I want to do something different. Uh, yeah. Listen, this ain't for you, friend. This is for people to walk around town to, to look at. We have to look at this for three and a half hours every Sunday. And this is what you've done to our eyeballs. No, thank you. You know, they're really bad. And then again, the thing also that uh, that vexes me with these things is because most NFL teams have a better option in the closet. Why couldn't they just play off of? I know, uh, handsome, you say that that's a throwback, the all black, but it's it's uninspired at best. No, no, no. Look, they they did wear. I think for a couple of games, maybe two, three years ago, they wore that uniform that black jersey but they wore it with the red helmet and it looks fantastic the red yes. helmet just sets it the whole thing off i completely agree with you like the the black all the way through i'm just saying it's the best of a bad bunch but I if they, like if they put one. the red helmet out there i i don't dislike it i'm just saying that with a red helmet on i'd be i feel right. like the red helmet was classic yeah, no, I think you hit it. It's it's it, when you look at the four of them together, it's the only one that you would say, okay, that can work. The the rest of them, it's like, no thanks. I you know I get it. You want to be cool, but the font of the the font is terrible. The number font especially is really bad, and and you can yeah. see that when it is juxtaposed against the classic numeral font. You want to do ATL instead of Atlanta? That's fine. You know, whatever. I get it. Oh, That's yeah. a, 
But you don't need to do ATL. You don't need to do either. Right. We it's all know. We all know that you're about Cleveland. Right. What, doesn't what, does, we don't? I, I just want to say, with whether it's on Twitter or on emails or otherwise, everybody has seen the jerk out there who plays with the fonts a little bit too much. You know, like just settle down. Just you go with those numbers are like why they're just yeah. some nice standard numbers. Why did you have to do that? That weirdo. Giant block bony looking. I don't even know what that is. It it, it really is. Uh, it's annoying yeah, to me. Sure. And then the Buccaneers. So the Buccaneers. You're wildly thoughts. disappointing. Uh, yeah, I think totally disappointing. But look, we're old, right? We we have, I think, an appreciation for the creamsicle that that maybe other kids can't quite understand. That you know, there was something very cool about orange. You know, specifically bright orange, white. And like a mustard yellow, it just worked and it, it looked cool out there. Um, but I can see. Go ahead, Hank. Well, at the time, did it really like I think we you're you're you know, you claim not to be a hipster money, but you definitely are. And I feel like that's a hipster response. But if you if I'd asked you the same question in 1984, when Vinny Testaverde or whatever year that was, 1986, I guess he came out. But would you would you have said the same thing in retrospect? So, certainly it looks fantastic. I don't think everyone at the time embraced it quite to the so same I, extent, here's, partly because of how bad that theme was. Not that, yeah, not that, and perhaps I'm reinventing history. I don't know. But I, you know, back then when it was, when it was the central, I always liked that. I felt like it was the most unique division for uniforms. You had green and gold in Green Bay. You had purple in Minnesota. You had orange in Tampa. And, you know, you had, uh, obviously Detroit had the, had the blue and then the, the bears had the, the Navy and the orange. There was something about it. I was like, it's kind of cool. You know, it's, here's this Florida team with these wacky, I just always assumed it was like, ah, down there in Florida, you know, with the sun and they got the orange and it was, uh, there was something about it in that particular division that they wore those yeah. uniforms. I it always probably- thought it was kind of cool. Probably Young Money as well was a bit like, well, we always beat them 45. <laughs> yeah, there was that too. <laughs> so it's cool. That is one of the great numbers in uh, in sports history is how many years. I don't remember what it is even off the top of my head, but I mean, it wasn't six years. It was like 20 years at least, I think, that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers didn't win a game in uh, a temperature lower than 40 degrees Fahrenheit. Right. Yeah. I mean, literally, right? Wasn't it 20 years after their inception oh, yeah. before they finally won a road game? When it was cold outside, but you're exactly right, Money. That that's why I like the Buccaneers, and that's why I like the Dolphins getups is because they are regionally like right. They're regionally they're specific. The Cleveland Browns, the Cleveland Browns have great uniforms. If you put them on in, um, you know, in uh, I don't know, in in Tampa Bay, they wouldn't look right. But brown and orange, yeah, Rust Belt, perfect. Yeah, well right. done. Um, and and in fact, that's also why. The Seahawks uniforms in any of the incarnations kind of have worked because the navy and green or the royal blue and green, those seem like, yeah, that seems like Pacific Northwest to me. Or is it the chicken or the egg? Have I come to yeah, associate yeah. those colors with because of what the Seattle uh, Seahawks well, have done? It's interesting, right? Because as you say it, I think like they should be like a forest green and brown because if you ever go you see all the evergreens. I mean, when you drive down the freeways in, in Washington state or Oregon, I mean, it is just 200 foot tall evergreens for as far as the eye can see. Uh, it always like, for whatever reason, I always thought the Eagles should 
and they are some of the best uniforms in any sport, but like they should be red, white, and blue, right? I mean, Philadelphia is kind of the birthplace of our nation. They have every right to claim it as, as Massachusetts does, if not more. Um, so like, I think if it were, and same thing, I guess, to some degree with DC and all, but whatever, now I'm, now I'm going too far down this rabbit hole. Well, the bottom line is, I will say, it's easy to express uh, disappointment about new uniforms. Always people always, nobody ever likes anything new, but the all dark gray or whatever you call it, pewter, the of the Buccaneers, those are nice. Those those have yeah, a chance. Those have a chance to be pretty good. I, I I'll need to see them out on the field as always before I can render a final verdict. But the other news uh, from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers is, of course, that uh, that their quarterback, their new QB, is making the rounds. First of all, Jameis apparently says this morning he's flattered because it took Tom Brady to go to replace him. <laughs> such, a strange, such a strange opinion. One yeah. way to look at it. Yeah. What, how did uh, how'd that hit your ear there, handsome? Well, just like, I mean, no. <laughs> by, by the same token, do you think uh, that Jarrett Stidham right now is like, hey, well, I guess uh, I guess they couldn't do better than me to replace Tom Brady. It doesn't that doesn't work. That's not that's not how the world works. You were bad. Your team didn't want to re-sign you, despite the fact you were the first overall pick. Don't try to make it into some kind of well. They the only way they could get better than me is to get the actual goat. Money, how say you on this? We've we've kind of talked around this and you've kind of been leading for the Chargers, at least the uh, the bandwagon that Jameis would make more sense there. If you dra- you know, if you then bring in a young QB, that that would make better sense over the next couple of few years than uh, than than Cam, who's going to have a different uh, hit on the cap and all that kind of stuff. Um, and it does make some sense. But four years from now. Is who is who is perceived who's more esteemed in pro football? Marcus Mariota, Jameis Winston, or neither of the above. They're both just backups for the rest of their lives. See, again, I just have that damn bias of watching those guys, you know, and and just feeling like, I mean, you know, Marcus had what? Mario, I hate calling him by their first name. Mariota had what, five or five different offensive coordinators? I think through the course of of his career, um, he had, you know, Jameis, I think, it's, he just got a new head coach that that has a philosophy of risking the football and pushing it all over the place. And Jameis has always been a guy that's thought his ability and, and arm talent is able to, to put a ball and fit it in anywhere. So I think you're going to get that kind of sort of uh, outlier season that we've never seen before, right? 5,000 yards and 30 touchdowns, but 30 picks. Um, I think both of them still have a chance. You know, and I feel confident that Mariota can thrive with with John Gruden, um, with with that offense. You know, with with that offensive line. Uh, if in fact, let's say they get Ceedee Lamb or Jerry Judy there in, in the first round, uh, they have Darren Waller, they have Tyrell Williams. Obviously, with Jake Goodson back, there's all of it there for him. Um, so I won't be surprised at all if Mariota, much like Tannehill, uh, ends up playing really well this year gets a three or four year deal and the Raiders, you know, end up being a lot better at that position than they were the the three years prior. As for Winston, um, you know, it just seems like people I talk to keep bringing up the same thing. And that's just like, man, it's so hard to get over those turnovers. You know, it's, it's really, really hard to, to let them go. And, and I keep saying, well, go back and watch his junior year in college. And my God, it was one of the great quarterbacking performances we'd ever seen and what he was doing and how he was operating in offense. He looked like freaking Peyton Manning out there, just barking audibles at the line of scrimmage, running from under center, 
in a huddle. Um, and it's just hard for me to get past that, that like this guy with all of that talent and you heard about, you know, the Wonderlick score, the scholarship to Stanford, the offer to Stanford when he was a junior and just how bright he is and, and how much his teammates love him, that that guy's not going to make it, that he's 26 years old and it's over for him. It's, it's really hard for me to process that and not think if he lands in the right spot, he's still going to be a, not a good, but a great quarterback in the league. I, I- a big thing that is gaining momentum on the uh, on the banks of the three rivers, and I keep tabs on it uh, digitally, of course, is uh, is this notion that uh, the Steelers should go get Jameis Winston to be Roethlisberger's backup. The issue with that, yeah, that makes all the sense in the world. If you could add a high, I mean, that's a luxury. If you said, yeah, our backup QB is the uh, first overall pick from five years ago, and he won the Heisman Trophy and national title and all that stuff, and all the all the stuff that you just mentioned there. The issue is that makes sense for the team if you can get him at the right price. But we talked about this before. I now I'm pretty convinced now that you're not going to see either Jameis or Cam do anything until things clarify through the draft. Right. Why, right. why would you, why would you, I mean, if you're, if you're Jameis and let's say, you know, I don't know the Patriots say, Hey, we'll give you 8 million a year to, you know, well, to a short term prove it type deal, or you're the chargers or the Steelers or whoever it is. Jags come in, compete with Minshew until you see what any of those teams do in the draft. What incentive would Cam have to, to be like, no, they oh, hey, oh, look, the Patriots still don't have a QB. Now I'll target that team. Right. You know, now now our agent can start working the phones for who has a, a reasonable spot. And if you're Jameis, going to a place where you know going in that the premise is, is that you're going to be a backup barring injury, why would he ever go to a place like that? Because I think, I'm with you, Money, he has a chance. Marcus Mariota is, is kind of this weird domino. It's a funny thing if he does end up getting the Raiders – um, taking over the Raiders gig at any point, either before the season or during the season, that it's exactly it's a, it mirrors the way he got bumped out in Tennessee. But Jameis rightly should hold out for this because we talk about QB saturation, but I do think that there are, like I say, the Chargers. I, you know, I'm not convinced the Dolphins perceive themselves to be so close to being a finished product that they have to get, um, you know, to a uh, or make a move to try I, I, all this noise about the, the, the Bengals might move on from two. I mean, from uh, Bur- the Bengals might move on from Burrow because he hasn't fully embraced the idea of playing for that team. Um, and they don't want to get Eli. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I, the dolphins, I think would be, I, I think that'd be a great spot for, for the, for them to get, if they don't wind up with somebody, if they don't get one of those is, is dead on. Let's just say that, that, that the Dolphins do trade up to get Joe Burrow, that they decide, you know what, we got we got five firsts in the next two drafts. We're going to give up three of them, and we're going to go get Joe Burrow because the Bengals apparently like, you know, and, and there's a reason why these things are out there. If they like Justin Herbert and the bank and, and the Dolphins are in love with with Joe Burrow, then they jump up there, and the Redskins are like, whoa, that's, that's the price for moving up to get one of these guys. And then a team jumps the Chargers and gets Tua, and then maybe the, you know, let's say the, the Bengals then take, you know, Herbert at number number five, and maybe the Raiders jump into number four because they are in love with Jordan Love, you know, or something like that. That could all happen. And if it does, then you're sitting there as, like you said, the Chargers, uh, the Panthers, maybe even with Teddy Bridgewater, because that you could look at that contract as a one to two year deal 
and they could be saying, okay, well, so let's say the Panthers move in front of them. You see what I'm getting at? Now you're, now you're the chargers and you're like, okay, uh, maybe it does make sense for us to have cam. We don't have two to sell tickets. We don't have Jordan love and that live arm to get people excited. We do need Jameis. We do need cam. We do need a quarterback with some box office viability. Um, and I think the same goes with the Patriots. If they think Jordan Love's going to slip to them uh, and he doesn't, then yeah, then it makes sense to, to give Jameis that try. And I think you'll find a deflated market where you can, just like Teddy Bridgewater had when he signed that deal with the Saints, and look, it, he was able to parlay that into $60 million. So I, I right. won't be surprised at all if that's the way it all but, shakes but out. It, but if it didn't shake out like that, back to Dave's original point, I think the Steelers is a great landing spot. And Dave, yeah. while I agree it's a luxury, Every day that goes by, to Money's point, it brings that market down and makes him more affordable. And, oh, yeah. And, and so I think that Jameis, you know, if, if it happened in May 1st, um, that, that he's still unemployed and is weighing up options and the teams that really need a quarterback found their guy in the draft, then I don't think there's any better place for him to go. You know, we all should assume that Ben's got one or maybe two years left in him, depending on, on what happens with his, his return from injury. And then, then hopefully Jameis to your point money at the age of 27, 28 does get that opportunity to prove that he he's got what it takes to, to still be a, a you know premier quarterback in the NFL. I thought you were about to crack wise when you said way and all that kind of stuff. I thought you were oh, no, saying not, every day that goes by that is another day for uh, number seven to gain seven more pounds or so. He said, yeah. like, "Would be funny if he came out uh, like the like the late great hefty lefty." By the time we yeah. saw him in uh, in fall of twenty twenty, oh god, uh, yeah. The, the thing I don't see, it really would be funny though if if a starting quarterback if he really was like, "All right, you you want to see fat football, America? I'm going to gain as much weight before the start of the season as I possibly can." That would be a great thing. And then if he you comes out and plays great, it's like, look how great I am. I like it's like it's like the Mickey Ma- right. It's like the Mickey Mantle thing. Like people always always regret, oh, what if what if what if the Mick would have treated his body right? Like I, I I choose to look at it the other way. He is a champion for for those of us who enjoy a drink, who enjoy uh, living, not just surviving. Look at what Mickey Mantle did. He went out and lived. He didn't li- li- live this uh this bizarre uh, restrictive existence like Tom Brady. I hail it. Don't oh boy me. What do you get? Well, excuse if me. He's, if make... he's not a stealer, you are fat shaming him to the are nines. You, and um, you know it. Who, you are se- you are look who's sequestering up on Mount Pius, Mount Money Smith. <laughs> oh, you know I'm right. You know that you see those videos of Ben with that giant face and that enormous beard. You'd be like, that's your quarterback, that guy. He's too no. good to be a guard. You forget my favorite athlete of all time is Mario Lemieux, who famously had had a two pronged attack um, to get ready for the drop of the puck every year. He said, and these are quotes from him: One, he stopped eating the fries alongside of his uh, alongside his burger at lunch. One and two, he uh, he put down the nails. He stopped smoking six. That was that was. <laughs> That was his preseason prep. Tom Brady, meantime, handsome, is uh, is on those Buccaneers, and he's brought his uh, his new way. Very sad. He said, you know, in tears, saying goodbye to everybody, which begs the question. Then you could have just stayed, man. And I have no beef with Bill Belichick. I had nothing to. I had no concern with him. I had nothing but respect. And you know, I think it's an. I think it's a poopy question using a different um, synonym for the word. Uh, the question to ask. Um, you know, is it me or, or Belichick? It's both. I couldn't do his job and he couldn't do mine. 
yeah, you don't get to control that narrative after you uh, when you walk away from this team to to play for another season or three, whatever it is, Tom Brady. Um, Handsome, we've talked about it. Any update now? The Howard Stern interview has has gone down. Um, Patriots fans have have shed their tears. How say you? Tampa Bay Buccaneers, New England Patriots, Super Bowl Fifty Five. Who do you think? Not this is a, this is a question to be made. Patriots fans get offended when I ask this. This is not a decision that you can make intellectually. It's one that your heart will uh, will right. decide when that situation. But look into your crystal ball. Who do you think uh, you'd be rooting for in that situation? Who do you think Patriots? One hundred percent. One hundred and twenty percent is what I'm going to. I would. I would be rooting for the Bucks in that situation. Not well. No, I'm saying if you're a Patriots, if you, well, so if you're, you're, I think that's still 120. percent It's the Patriots. I de- yeah, that's then, definitely then not Patriots true. That is definitely not true. That 100 percent of Patriots really are going well, Patriots. Would root against their own team just yeah. because Tom Brady. No, yeah, no, yes, yes, no. Yes. no. I promise you. I mean, like, I promise you can put a poll on on Twitter. Only Patriots fans answer this question. If the Patriots are in the Super Bowl against Tom Brady, who are you supporting? They're going to say the Patriots. All of the, every single one of them. No, listen, first of all, what? it's to a what, circumstance. To what end? Why would that, why would you what's not going to support your what's own going team? To, what's going to define it, first of all, there are a lot of Patriots fans who over the last couple of weeks have already declared that Tom Brady's a traitor. There are people who feel that way. Then there are other people who will emerge as things get, you know, as Merck, if the quarterback thing doesn't clarify. If they get Cam Newton, people get excited to see what happens there. But if it's Andy Dalton or it's Jared Stidham or somebody else like that, it's going to be very interesting. Patriots fans are going to be are, – are, are, the point of reference is this. The 49ers traded away Joe Montana. There are 49ers fans of that era who started to root for Joe Montana – because they were so upset with the 49ers for giving away their goat in favor of Steve Young, and they never fully embraced Steve Young. It'll be that dynamic. That That yeah. is definitely going to happen. The best thing that he did, though, was, um, was you know, it, it, it's highly unlikely that you're going to see a Patriots-Buccaneers Super Bowl. He's removed himself from that. But, man, if he did a Brett Favre type of thing and stayed in the division or, uh, you know, who knows, maybe by next year he'll be a New York Jet. But, um uh, as it is, I, I you guys are you guys are sleeping on the fact that but if you're if you're thirty if you're thirty and you spend it's again it's the Kobe Bryant thing you saw the outpouring to with Kobe because guys of a certain age grew up and that was their idol that was their legend that was their hero those hooks sink deep it's why the Chargers I think are going to do whatever they can now to get Tua I think they're going to get Tua because they're desperate to get Tua so that they can start this entire new generation built around the young lefty and 10 year old kids will blink. And uh, 15 years later, it'll be, they'll be uh, celebrating um, like Patriots fans did with Tom Brady, our guy Tua. when that, when that happens at a young age, look at you with uh, you, you were off in, in London, England, look at you with your Miami Dolphins sweatshirt to this day. It's not because of the Dolphins. It's because of Dan Marino. Right, but Dave, the the thing that Brady said on the call uh, on his interview with Stern today was that he knew it was his decision. He knew that that was his last season in in uh, New England. It doesn't feel like the Montana situation where the 49ers shipped him out because Steve Young was waiting in the wings, and they were like, "We feel like this is a the best option for us." Brady was more complicit in making that decision than the Patriots were. 
so I don't necessarily think that the fans are as aggrieved as as the 49ers fans 20 odd years ago would be about the same type of situation. I think he's I think he's I think he's more or less hinted at the fact that he knew that Belichick is is not nostalgic and Brady did not get and Tom Brady if anybody in the history of professional sports had the right to say I'll determine when I walk away from the Patriots it's his call to do it um and I think I, I get what you're saying I think the, there's just I think there's one I think I just don't like the hypothetical I think your hypothetical is is impossible to reconcile like there's no way that fans of the Patriots are going to have their team in the Super Bowl and root for them to lose. Right. It's just not going to happen. That just doesn't make sense. I don't know. It, I, I mean, like talking I, about the season, have the most Lombardis in the history of the league. Will will the team will will Tom Brady during he's not the season? Their team. Yeah, will they during the season? Will they check in on Buccaneers scores and root on Tom Brady? Probably. It's yeah. fine to have a team in the NFC that you're like, yeah, I want those Bucks to do well because of Tom Brady. But if it came to Super Bowl Sunday in Tampa, by the way, next year, I don't imagine that Patriots fans are going to be like, okay, we rocked up to Tampa. I guess we've got to show our respect to Tom. That just doesn't make any sense. Well, the the pushback on that that I, that I give you again is, then what you're really celebrating is we got good coaching. And that's unsatisfying. That, that the that, best coaching, not just good coaching system. I, like I, what I, you're rooting is, we got the best system. The Bill Belichick. Well, no, we no, can no, put no, in no, this QB no. and we still hey, Dave, win. Dave, what, why? What we why? were rooting for for 20 years was was on some level an illusion. We thought Tom Brady was the goat. In fact, it really I'll is it, just this system. Dave, I'll make it very personal for you. You live 2,800 miles from Heinz Field. Yet you and your son root for you and your children root for the Steelers. That's what you do. You root for the Steelers. You don't root for Big Ben. You don't root for Troy Polamalu. You don't root for James Harrison. You root for the Steelers. You are connected to that franchise emotionally. And that's why you have passed it on to your children who have no connection to it whatsoever outside of you. That's it. There's no reason for them to cheer for it. Just because one guy out of 53 every single season, even if he is the greatest player in the history of that franchise, in the history of the league for that matter, moves thousands of miles away to play football, they're still Patriots fans. That is still that connection to that city or maybe to their sibling or their parent or their grandparent or their city or their state for whatever reason. That's the, it's the old Seinfeld bit. I mean, essentially, we're rooting for laundry. I mean, that's that's really what it is. You have this emotional connection with a team, that's not right. so much the player. I, that's exactly right. And I also think, though, in the era of free agency, I think we all grew up, not spaghetti, but the, the three of us grew up in, we at least can recall, before free agency, um, the, the age of free agency really took over all the sport. And those loyalties aren't uh, aren't as dyed in the wool of the jerseys that you mentioned people i I mean research and so on indicates that younger fans vibe towards the individual players more than they do the brand brand. and so i think if you're 30 years old and you're maybe smack dab in in the middle of the hub there up in new england you might still be like tom brady's my guy i'm not rooting against him i'm not wait i got Dude, Jared Stidham? Oh, you don't, you don't, Jared Stidham? You don't. No way. Tom's my guy. I, he always he gave me so many great memories. I just think that that's a 
that's a an emotional reaction that's I think that's more for the, plausible. The people that don't live in New England. I think that's for the fans that are in Maybe, LA yeah. that became Patriot fans because of Tom Brady, because we didn't have a team there for 25 years. Those are the those are the Patriot fans you're speaking to, I but think, that aren't don't in have New to, England. You don't have to make that decision very often. Because it is you can still be a Patriots fan and you can be a Tom Brady fan. And for now that might mean you that you support the Buccaneers occasionally, or you know, on a week-to-week basis. But also, it's only going to be for one or two years anyway. And then, like, when Tom Brady leaves the Buccaneers, those people who became Patriots fans for 20 years because they loved watching Tom Brady do what he did at Foxborough and win all those rings aren't going to be like, well, because he played the, those, those you know, 28 games in, in Tampa. Now I'm a Buccaneers fan, and that's what I'm about. That's just not – I don't think that's going to stick. No, yeah, all right. I don't want to belabor it. I, I don't think you're a Bucks fan per se. You're a Tom Brady guy. Is is the thing. The TB remains the same, but you, but uh, it's the QB wearing the twelve that you care about. It's not the. I would say the, the team is my point. To, to again to not belabor it. I I would put it this way. I think there are just as many, if not more, Patriot fans that have Schadenfreude toward Brady and want to see him fail and want to prove their team right for letting him go because he's 42 as there are. Hey, I love Tom. He's the reason why I'm a Patriots fan. I'm going to move with him to Tampa because the thing about Tampa is, you know, it's fleeting, you know, it's like, okay, well, he's going to be there for a year, maybe two. Like it's, there's, it's hard to invest in that when the timing is so limited. You know what I mean? I think you'd really have to be a Tom Brady person. I agree with that. And then uh, I'll I'll try to, uh, my final point on it is just that, correct. If they are 13 and three with Andy Dalton, there will be a sense of vindication if Tom Brady is having any sort of struggles down in Florida while while uh, their local brand continues to thrive. But the the other side of that will emerge just as when Steve Young was like, yeah, he's putting up big numbers and everything, but he ain't taking care of business in January. We miss our guy. If Tom does something special in Tampa and they are anything less than a top seeded team, if they're losing the division to the bills, there's going to be, there's going to be a real sense of what have you done Belichick and things will flip against the Patriots at Belichick specifically, but the, the Patriots as an organization. Anyhow, um, money completely random. Well, not too random because, um, I just wanted to get your thoughts on something here. I think it matters in sports, obviously who you beat and even who you lose to. And I think that no matter how much people have tried to diminish the Patriots, um, 20 year run here, when they got the Super Bowls, I, it, the, the weird thing, the weird aspect about the Belichick Brady dynasty is that they lost to Eli Manning twice and Flacco was a bugaboo for them and like Nick Foles beat them. But for the most part, you look at like, wow, that rally against the Falcons and, um, you know, going head, to head, going head with Peyton and yeah, the, the, right. the, all, all of that. Many years. And so now I'm now trying, I'm, I'm struggling to connect this back to, uh, to basketball and Eddie Spaghetti's jersey there. But like Larry Holmes is one of the great heavyweights of all time. His problem was, his greatest rival in his, in his uh, run as champ yeah. was Jerry Cooney. Yeah. And then he fights Muhammad Ali when Muhammad yeah, well, Ali is. Dave, I'm going to, I'm going to hang up and listen. Um, as they it's say, noon. Jeez, um, I gotta go. Okay. Well, well you right. gotta go. Handsome, you, you go. We'll wrap it See up. See you guys uh, later. Thank handsome. Be well. Um, we'll wrap it up here. Money real quick. But also I think, so I think that 
the Patriots had some legitimate competition and they had some obviously iconic victories going into Arrowhead a couple of years ago stands out more recently. I think also the other goat, if you were to do, you know, everybody's doing their well, here, wait, you know, real quick. I'm going to, I'll touch on that. I, 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 to me, the, what the Patriots were able to do for 20 years is, is arguably the most remarkable thing in sports as every other football franchise where parody reigns supreme and free agency, because you better get your, it is the number one. And I do not fault players for this one bit. There is no loyalty from the individual because your career could be over in a snap and you have got to go get the most money you possibly can. And the Patriots, God knows, saw a ton of premier players in their primes before their primes leave for more money that they weren't willing to pay and that they were able to stay on top uh, to me is is arguably the greatest accomplishment in sports. This 20 year run that includes it really is. And it, it's not to me. It's, it's to, to some degree. It's not close. It's crazy what they were able to do. I completely agree with you. And I think that that is the I don't want to put it in melodramatic terms, but that is what I'm getting at. The the gathering storm for Patriots fans is how you're going to reconcile what the shakeout is. Come, let's assume we have a full season and everything else, what you're going to be thinking on New Year's Day, what you're going to be thinking on Super Bowl 55, depending on how those two teams break, because it really dynasty doesn't exactly apply in in the traditional sense here. It's two guys. It's Belichick, it's Brady and everything else was a moving part around it, along with Robert Kraft. So um, but my point is, is it ties back. It's fun to, you know, over the last uh, half century, if you were everybody's doing their Mount Rushmore this or their top three right. that or their top five, whatever. And, you know, we've talked here about what if we started a whole new hall of fame, a whole new hall of all the greatest athletes in American sports history. The first guy in wouldn't be Tom Brady because there's enough pushback for um, Joe Montana and Gretzky, maybe. But I think, well, not Americans, North American sports, but, you know, I'll, I'll certainly stand up for 66 and Boston. People will push for Bobby Orr. I think the one guy who clearly would go in is Michael Jordan. And as I look at uh, Michael Jordan, um, the, the, the thing that stands out is it's funny that in the 90s, it kind of flips that the 80s. Celtics had a much more rugged path to get to the finals to play the Showtime Lakers. And then as Jordan emerges and the Lakers play those Bulls in the first uh, Michael Jordan title, then the West emerges and it's been that way. It's been a dominant conference for, I mean, for a long, obviously for a long time now, 30 years, the West is almost always a much better conference than the East in the NBA. Um, and jo- But when Jordan would get to the finals, those finals uh, matchups that he had six times over, were all legit. There was no, wow, how'd that team slip through? Like the Rockets playing the Celtics in the 80s. I mean, there was like, this, wow, they beat, wow, that that Lakers team with Vlade was pretty good by record, at least. And it's probably the worst of the bunch. And that that Chaz Barkley Suns team and the Portland team and the twice over Jazz and so on. Sonics, anyway, yeah. to me, things broke just right. For this by the sports gods for Michael Jordan that he happened to be retired. I know we've had this conversation, but just update me very quickly because I'm going to do some what if stuff coming up here. Do you think that that Houston Rockets team, especially to me, the 95 team, even though it had the worst record regular season because they swap out Otis Thor Drexler or Drexler? I think that that I think Drexler, Kenny the Jet, Bob Ori, Akeem, I think Mario Ellie. I think that team beats that Bulls team. How say you? 
Well, I mean, I'll just put it, the guy never lost, you know, I mean, in anything like that's, that's the thing to me is once he started winning, it was just this indomitable will that, that he was able to create and also create for his teammates. Um, and, and I think obviously if he doesn't leave, you assume, you know, that, that Horace Grant comes back maybe, or, uh, you know, and I don't know how the whole Rodman thing shakes out. It's just kind of, I don't think, I don't think Bob, I don't think big shot Bob. I mean, I'm sorry. I don't think uh whole Grant goes back no matter what. I, cause I, the, because I don't know. You know what I mean? Like I, if you're defending your title and you're thinking about becoming the Celtics of the sixties, why wouldn't you? It's like, Hey, we, we have a chance to become the greatest team in the history of professional money. sports. The, to your point, money. Yeah. Yeah. Money. True. But basketball, I think is a little bit different. And the bulls were making so much money then. Um, and remember they gave Scotty Pippen a huge contract at the time, even though it came to be one of the worst contracts, but they were like, Hey, you want to be the highest paid player on the team? Okay, here it is. So they were willing to pay those guys. Um, that's just why I can't, Come around to the idea that oh yeah the 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 Elijahwan you know Rockets would have would have beat them well well no because Michael just didn't lose like that was it was the only team I've ever watched where like I never felt like they were going to lose in the playoffs you would watch and things would get weird and they're playing Indiana in the conference finals and it's game seven and they're down double digit points and it's not like oh boy this is the end of it it's like no you know Mike. Michael's going to do something crazy and he's going to score 10 points in, in 70 seconds and they'll win the game. And that's what happens. And that's to me, just what would have happened in the finals. They would have faced those teams. They would have been brutal knockdown drag out wars like the sun series, like the, the jazz series. Uh, and the bulls would emerge victorious because that's just what Michael Jordan did. Um, and, and there was, you know, no matter if it was at North Carolina or if it was at, you know, with Chicago, that's just kind of the way, especially once they got rolling, that uh, that it always played out. And and that's what made him, you know, in that conversation is like you just said, if they did a, a Hall of Fame for athletes of everything, why he very well could be the number one pick for everybody, because you just you never had a doubt that he was going to win the game. And I don't know if there's ever been another player that you felt like that when the game was on the line. I'd say, well, it's it, it's very interesting to me that subject specifically and and uh I'm with you. I, I was in Chicago. I was up on the north side pretty much through the 90s. And so I was um, uh, eyewitness to um, to to that air of inevitability. You always yeah. felt like they were going to do it. But the thing that would puncture it is before it really gets crazy, before it really gets rolling, is Jordan in feet. I mean, the, the, the vibe was you are going to be hard pressed to take down the Bulls. But remember, they had two. Then that. 62 win Suns team rolls in and maybe because of intimidation, they drop the first two in Phoenix, but then they win two out of three in Chicago. They go back to Phoenix and, you know, Jordan dumps it into Ho Grant who makes that kick out to John Paxson and, and uh, he hits the three, man. I don't, I, I think you can make a case. And in fact, I'm trying to make that case. That that three ball doesn't drop. I don't know what happens in game seven of that yeah, year. But, but, but again, he never lost. Yeah, you're right. He never lost. You know, think about the Lakers, right? The Lakers win that first game of their first finals. And everyone's like, yeah, see, not ready for prime time. They finally got over the Pistons. And granted, look, Worthy got hurt. That was a banged up Laker team. And if you talk to Worthy, he believes that they would have won that series had he not gotten banged up. Um, but to me, it's like, okay, we lost the first game. And then from there on out, it was a route. Uh, and I think any time like that, you know, you think about, I think it was the second jazz 
I want to say it was the second jazz finals where they lost game one at home. Game two was shaky, I believe, or something like that. There was a, it was a, it was a tipping point and, and they would, they would remind you, don't question us. And I do believe it's one of those teams that the proverbial flip the switch uh, has been attached to. And, and I don't know if I remember ever hearing it as much. I'm sure it probably existed before, but it really felt like that particular sports cliche was applied to that team because they would always find themselves in a little bit of trouble. And then all of a sudden you blink your eyes and they've gone from being down seven to up five. And it's like, Oh yeah, that's right. They just, they just turned it on. I, I, it's funny. Cause like I say, uh, being there in Chicago and watching all their games, regular season and through the playoffs, it was, it would be in the postseason. It did feel like, all right, the script's getting a little formulaic here. All right. We're coming up on the end of act two here, guys. Yeah. Uh, like, oh, yeah, oh, you're down 14. What are we going to do? All right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's get to the end where you where you pull off the where last minute. Yeah, right. That, that It really did have that vibe to it. Anyway, Money, as always, appreciate you taking the time for us, pal. Um, you got it. And uh, AM570 or iHeartRadio, uh, listen stop. to Money and Petros uh, chopping it up for your pleasure here in these, uh, in these barren days. Not much to talk about, but somehow we end up filling an hour at least every time. Um, so thank you, Matt Money Smith. Eddie Spaghetti, awfully quiet today. I was just listening in, uh, to you guys, you know, do your thing. I was uh, enjoying the conversation from uniform. I thought you were going to gonna weigh in, Eddie. I thought you were going to weigh in on the, uh, the 94 finals with old, uh, with old Starks, the man whose jersey you're donning right now and how he ruined your chance at, a, uh, at an NBA championship. Eddie, just giving the freaking ball to Pat Ewing. I know my two, my two points uh, from this podcast that I would make, or well, one with the Knicks is the Knicks were not a good basketball playing team they were just a team brought by <laughs> new york that they just they just loved anthony mason and charles oakley and ewing and uh like the, but they weren't as skilled as the rockets or, or the Bulls. exactly uh so no i don't think they it, it's they probably overshot what their expectations were and then uh back to the the brady the bucks versus patriots thing i mean if eli manning became a jaguar last season uh to play uh, underneath coughlin and they went to a super bowl versus the giants i'm not rooting for Eli Manning and the Jaguars. I'm rooting for the laundry. It's simple as that. Well, you saw, but, but whether you saw it or not, Phil Sims and Jeff Hostetler, that's why this is unique. This is there, there is the period in history for a long standing pro fa- franchise. The only success it ever had was with one guy playing quarterback. That's the right. difference. People yeah, keep pointing up to me like, well, what, 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 what about Lemieux? Like, well, that's, that's not a comparable situation. Lemieux didn't leave. Would you, would you have turned? I got, I, I, I kind of, Became I wasn't rooting against the Penguins. I just became apathetic when Lemieux retired for a couple of years. I absolutely could see like, yeah, Thrill's kind of gone without TB in there. I could I could absolutely see that happening. Um, the other thing, money is too. The the other side of that coin is, and then uh, then we'll wrap it up. I don't I, the thing with the Jordan legacy and all that, and uh, the inevitability. If that bad foul doesn't get called against Scottie Pippen on Hubert Davis in Game uh-huh. Five. And they go to it, it. If the Bulls go in '94, when they were a good team, if they go, to the Pippen final, was arguably the, he was one of the. He had a legitimate shot at the MVP that year. Pippen yeah. was unfreaking believable that season. They win that one, and they go to the finals and beat that Rockets team. Then now we're talking about the same sort of thing. Like so. Jordan's great, but is he is he definitely the greatest of all time if they turn around the year he retires and win the title? Yeah, I think that, like, then my pushback on that would be 
that's that's the Jordan effect, right? And the idea that you make your teammates better, that you that you share whatever this is that you have inside of you, this this air of inevitability and and this indomitable will that that was put upon, you know, a, a young guy from from Central Arkansas when he showed up and and that cast and Tony Kukoc from Croatia and hardening him up to be, you know, he was considered a soft euro and and he becomes this you know ass kicker out on the court as, as well. And um, so I do think he still would have gotten some credit for that. I think Phil Jackson, now that would have launched him, I think to a different That's level. Right. Um, if that team had ended up winning a championship, but yeah, that was an absolute BS call um, on, on Pip against Hubert Davis. God, I, and I'll never forget where I watched it. And this is a funny, I'll, I'll end with this. I was, uh, I, I was going to Pepperdine at the time. So I was in school living in Malibu and uh, one of my roommates, I lived in a house right on PCH and my roommate Dave was working at Johnny's Pizza. I am parking cars at the chart house at night and uh, I'm looking to scrape together any money I can. So I would go see him for, for lunch and dinner and, and eat basically for free. You know, he would float me some extra slices and stuff like that and garlic nuts. So I watched that game with uh, John Cusack at Johnny's Pizza. Wow. And, you know, Cusack's a, a Chicago guy, and he was sitting at the counter with D.B. Sweeney uh, and, wow. and me and a couple other people watching that game. And he lost his freaking mind when they called that foul. It was funny of all the places, not a bar, but this tiny little pizza joint in the strip mall on PCH is where I saw that thing go down. Ah, good times, man. That's a fun story. Well, not for a Bulls fan at the end of that. Ah, I think it worked out pretty well for the Bulls fans overall. Uh, Money, as always, uh, like I say, great thanks to you, fella. And uh, you got it. I see. Again, I said, I don't know for how we're going to make it 20 minutes, and we did over an hour again. I apologize for that. Appreciate the time, Money. Eddie Spaghetti, great job by you, as always. Handsome Hank. And thank you, the listener. We'll talk to you later on. Until then, stay safe and sound. And it's been a thin slice of heaven. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. Get in zone, AutoZone. Welcome to AutoZone. What are you working on today? My check engine light's on. Mm, that could hurt your gas mileage. The AutoZone free fix finder service can help find the fix for free. Get in zone. This whole report for free? That's right. Printed and on your phone for free. Get in zone. But what if the fix is too tough? We'll recommend a local shop. Fix finder only at AutoZone. Get in zone, AutoZone. Restrictions apply.